The Fontenelle Final Bell Podcast is presented by Fontenelle Hybrids. The solutions you need, the relationships you trust. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield as Arlen Suderman joins us from FC Stone. Taking a look at what we're seeing in this market trade today, of course, a lot of talk of Beijing. And could we see some maybe possible movements in this next meeting, Arlen? Yeah, well, the, the trade talks have continued to go on via phone and via video conference, um, but uh, it's face-to-face where you seem to make the most progress, and so we've been anxious to see when that's going to happen, assuming there'd have to be more face-to-face talks before we finalize the deal. Uh, the word being reported today by uh, Wall Street Journal is that uh, the next round of face-to-face is probably going to be in Beijing the week of April 29th. Uh, shooting for a signing ceremony by the end of May or 1st of June, somewhere in there. Of course, this is the same publication that told us we'd have uh, signing ceremonies in late February, so take it for what it's worth. But I, I do think that we are seeing signs that we are moving toward uh, a trade agreement being reached uh, sooner rather than later. As you look at this, I mean, we've been on this road before where we talk about a possible signing markets kind of react are we just kind of holding on the kind of quiet side this time as we look forward to these next talks yeah the grain markets have been particularly skeptical uh, the livestock markets are moving forward because they assume that china is going to be buying pork buying meat uh, regardless trade agreement or no trade agreement they're going to need the meat going to buy it so we've seen more strength in the meat complex, albeit today was on a weaker note. But the grains have become very skeptical. Even the equity markets have been trading for the most part as if they expect there to be a trade agreement that will be positive for U.S. and global economy. The energy markets, the same thing. But grain traders have been very skeptical, and I think a lot of that's because... Uh, I think the algorithmic traders, the computer traders, momentum traders have really been dominant this spring. And um, since there's nothing pressing to uh, prove them wrong right now, they're continuing to trade that momentum to the downside for the most part. As you look at the soybean market, could we be testing some new lows? Um, very well could. Uh, fundamentally, it's easy to make that argument. Uh, we certainly saw prices today for uh, uh, November soybeans fall to the lowest. Uh, we've seen them trade really since uh, uh, late November, really Thanksgiving time, and uh, on the verge of testing that support level uh, and uh, continuing to trend lower. We've been trading a descending channel on the charts for both the nearby and the November contracts. They've been going back and forth in that in that channel. We're getting close to the bottom of that channel now, so I wouldn't be surprised if we see a bounce in the coming week back up toward the top of it. If we actually break through the bottom of that channel, that would suggest that we've got something much bigger going on here um, in the way of liquidation. Um, it, we'll hold the pattern. We'll, we'll probably see a bounce back up to test the top of the channel again, but with lower highs and lower lows each time as we work our way down. What are your thoughts on how the crush margins have been? 
Uh, crush margins have been holding in there pretty decent for soybeans. Uh, we have seen some pickup in soy meal demand, and uh, some of that's because of a tightening up of DDGs. We've seen that DDG soy meal ratio come together, the gap come together, uh, favoring soy meal. And, and that's one of the things with the trade agreement. If, uh, if DDGs are a part of it, as we keep hearing, then we could see many, you know, many of our DDGs now travel to back to the export market, uh, and uh, sending a lot more back to the soy mill. But regardless, we are starting to see some of that shift to go back to soy mill now already because of those price relationships, and and that's helping sustain those crushed margins. Even though export demand is starting to uh, slide off as we go for orders into the summer. The lower corn we're seeing, can we blame that on the lower soybeans today? To a great extent, and wheat's been moving down. I know wheat was a little bit higher today, but wheat has been trending lower, and that's proven to be a drag for corn as well. So corn has established this downtrend that that the momentum traders have been trading, and certainly with uh, corn being down 9-plus cents today, that was a factor on corn. Traders are also looking at uh, the fact that we've got good moisture across the Midwest. In fact, if you go back to October, uh, that period of time, it's been the wettest since 1983. Um, one of the things we should talk about here is, and that I've brought up before, is 1993. I know Nebraska farmers remember 1993 very well. 1993 has been one of the analog years that keeps popping up. Uh, for this year. Forecasters have not expected us to have a 1993 year. And in fact, we're going into the growing season with much more moisture in our, in our profile than what we had then. The rains in 93 really didn't get going until late May or so, and, and then continued in the first half of July. Um, but uh, one of the reasons we haven't expected this to be a 1993-type year is these surface temperatures off the Baja of California had been much cooler and were expected to stay much cooler. But they have warmed rapidly in recent weeks and are now warmer than they were at this time in 1993. And so forecasters are still a little bit skeptical, but they admit this is something we really have to watch. If it continues to warm up, then we could end up with a very similar type of year to 1993. So that's one of the things we're keeping our eyes on. For that Midwest producer, as you look at that information and and the wetness that we've seen, does it bode to set the exact same pattern, or are we going to see a little bit of a change-up? Well, in the near term, what we see is a little more warming and a little less rain going forward. Hopefully, that will allow us to get some field work done. I think that we're going to end up getting most of the corn planted, although later than what we'd like. The question is, what kind of fertilizer will it have on it? And, and I think we're going to be seeing a lot of switching from gas to liquid on the fertilizer side. All right. Well, stick around, folks. We have more coming up. It is the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. For you on this Wednesday, Arlen Suderman's joining us. We'll take a look at the livestock happenings as well. Talk about South American crops on the Rural Radio Network. Back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield as Arlen Suderman is joining us this afternoon from FC Stone. Let's look at the crops in South America. Their harvest pretty much, can we call it on the wrap-up side, Arlen? But certainly in Brazil, we're that way. I think we're down to the last 12% or so of the soybean crop. Of course, the safrina corn crop, their second corn crop, 
um, is now in the, the late vegetative to early pollination to, in some cases, early grain fill in the far northern areas in Meta Grasso. Um, so a key time there, they do have a few spots that are dry. Right now, it's probably about 15% of the belt we're worried about. As I talked to our team in Brazil this week, uh, they say really overall the crop looks good. There are no significant problems, and they anticipate that they're going to be bumping up their production estimate uh, further, so uh, more corn there. As you go south in Argentina, our last numbers I saw about a third of the corn and a fourth of excuse me, about a fourth of the corn and about a fifth of the soybeans harvested to this point. And it's a very long harvest period there. Um, so it's going to stretch out for some time. But overall, uh, yields are coming in a little bit better than expected and uh, no notable problems uh, versus the gloom and doom we heard earlier in the growing season when they were too wet. Uh, and we warned at that time, uh, not to get too caught up in the rhetoric then about uh, short crops. It looks like they're going to be pretty good. So how does their um, prices right now compare to what we're seeing at the ports? Uh, they're, uh, well, it's interesting because Brazil soybeans are cheaper than ours. Argentina's are, are uh, cheap to competitive as well. Uh, on the corn side, Argentina is beating us on the corn. Uh, Brazil is uh, the same to a little bit more expensive than us. Um, so Argentina definitely has the advantage on the corn and Brazil on the soybeans and competing with us. But um, certainly as you look at some of the recent shipment data out of the United States, um, we'll, we'll ship soybeans to China and then shipments to non-China customers. The soybeans have been very small, generally below 10 million bushels a week. We need to have shipments much bigger than that to hit USDA's target. So in case, until, unless something changes soon, uh, we're anticipating that USDA is going to have to lower their export target uh, for soybeans and uh, probably lower it a little bit more for corn as well because of the South American crops. Head over to the livestock side of the trade. It is Wednesday, and as one producer told me, it's African swine fever update. You've had some of the best, most concrete information. Where are we sitting right now with ASF, and is it still a market factor this week? It definitely is. As I talk to our team there, they emphasize that the major production areas, hog feeding is down 50%. That's mostly central and northern parts of China. Southern areas, it's down 30%. And I push them on what is it nationally? Is it still 40%? And they'll say, well, it's over 50% in the major production areas. Okay, what is it nationally? Finally, they said, well, okay, we're still at 40%, but I get the sense that it's working its way higher than that. Uh, we're continuing to see the U.S. pork supply kind of being bought up, and uh, we're seeing further evidence that China fully plans to uh, bid as much cor- pork as they can away from the U.S. consumer, and not only the U.S. consumer, but the consumer of Japan and South Korea and anywhere else um, that has pork supply or wants to import pork, that they're going to try to bid that supply away and in, into China to help meet their demand, but also taking steps to increase poultry and beef imports as well. And it's been more of a factor in the trade talks with China this week as well. At least it's come out uh, from uh, the trade talks. That's one of the factors that they've obviously been spending some time on is lifting restrictions, allowing U.S. poultry and beef 
to go in and, of course, uh, removing the tariffs on pork as well. Looking at the cattle, I understand that there's some light cash trade taking place in the south. Yeah, in the south is is where we have more cattle, and and uh, last week they traded up mostly 124 there, whereas in the north it was at 128. We did have some Nebraska cattle uh, move this morning in the online exchange, or 120, a little over 127 on average, 127.08 I think was the weighted average there, and basically the north has to have high enough prices to pull cattle from the south north, to freight them north in order to fill the deficit that we have because of the winter weather. And so that's benefiting those that do have cattle in Nebraska, um, enabling them to get a higher price. And basically what we're seeing so far looks like this week's cash should end up being basically steady to higher once again as we're starting to see some firmness and barbecue season is starting to kick off. We're finally getting enough warmth across the country to really get barbecue season going just in time for Easter. Hey, that works for me. Let's all hit the grills. What's the best way to get a hold of you, Arlen? INTLFCstone.com or over on Twitter at twitter.com slash Arlen, A-R-L-A-N, F is in Frank, F is in Frank, 101. Well, thanks so much. That is the Fontenelle Final Bell brought to you by Fontenelle and all the local dealers on the Rural Radio Network. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.